Hey, you're so welcome to Open Arms Church. My name is Sean Booth, the pastor here. And, you know, we've got a really exciting season coming up for Christmas. We've got our Christmas carols on the 19th of December in Dublin at 10 and 11.30 and in Newbridge and Kildare at 5 and 7. So we'd love to invite you, your family, bring some of your friends. It's going to be a great occasion, lots of space and lots of opportunity just to celebrate this Christmas season together and as we get ready to start the new year can you believe it we're talking about ending 2021 and getting ready for 2022 we as a church we start every year with a week of prayer and fasting and we're going to be relaunching the church into the new year on 9th of January, Sunday 9th of January, with a week of prayer and fasting. So we just want you to be prepared for that. You know, that's that week before is the time of eat all the sweets in the house, eat all the leftovers, get all of that so you can get ready for a great week of prayer and fasting together as a church. Well, this is week four of our series, Winning the War in Your Mind. This is our final week, and we've been looking at this book written by Pastor Craig Rochelle, the description uh, the link will be in the description below if you want to buy that and purchase it. It's just a great investment, a resource into your life. We get no royalties from plugging the book. It's just, I truly believe it's impacted me. And the core message is this. Change your thinking, change your life. Change your thinking, change your life. Maybe you want to enter into this new year and like, there's some areas of my life I want to change. What I want to encourage you to begin by changing your thinking and the core message of this series is found in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 and it's this do not conform to the pattern of this world what does that mean don't allow what's on the outside to determine what's on the inside don't allow what surrounds you to impact and affect your mind internally don't allow yourself to be defeated by the battle of your mind but be transformed be changed by the renewing of your mind. And I really hope that this series has encouraged you. It's equipped you. Maybe it's just kind of lightened the load, lifted a weight, just feeling like, okay, there is a way that I can navigate through this. There is a way that I can bring change into my life. And so I really hope that it's helped you. You know, we know that the majority of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Now, this can be incredibly difficult when our Minds are running rampant and running wildly with negative thoughts, with rational fears, with anxiety that we can feel within us. Have you experienced or are you experiencing those things right now? Maybe, maybe you worry about something that might seem so normal or even insignificant to someone else, but to you it impacts your life. It, it completely consumes your mind where anxiety and worry is running wildly within you. Maybe it's because of something that you've watched on the news and it triggered something within you. Maybe it's as if you, you've heard something that's going on in one of your loved ones and it's really impacting you and worrying you. Maybe it's your marriage that you've been working for, fighting for, and you're worrying, is anything ever going to happen? Maybe you, you've got more bills than money that you have. Maybe you're like worried about your future and your career. Maybe you're thinking about making a next step or next decision. And it's so easy for all of us, for our minds to be consumed, to be overwhelmed, to be overcome by these feelings, worry 
and anxiety. And so when we look at Scripture and we turn to Scripture, we see that these feelings of worry and anxiety, they're not like new and modern. They may be somewhat uh, over-accentuated. They may be somewhat uh, more emphasized than they were previously in the time in which the Bible was written. But what we see in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is talking about this subject. He's talking about the subject of worry and anxiety. And he says these words in verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. You know, right now you may be feeling anxious. You may feel just that anxiety, the adrenaline, the cortisol just running through your veins and you can, you can hardly just have that peace and the calm and just it feels like you're vibrating almost because you can't sit still. Don't be anxious about anything but, and here's the good news, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. What does this mean? It means Bring your worries and concerns to God. Bring your fear and anxiety to God. Bring all of you, bring all of your requests to Him and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and the peace of God will be with you. My title of my message today is Calm My Anxious Mind. Calm My Anxious Mind. Right now, I want to encourage you, you can find calm in your anxious mind. God wants to calm your anxious mind. He wants to bring stillness. He, he wants to bring peace. He wants to bring control to your mind where otherwise it feels out of control. He wants to calm your anxious heart, your anxious soul, and your anxious mind. You know, one of the key thoughts from this series is that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. It's, it's the, the thought of this is what, what I think of and when I think about such things, these things tend to happen. What I'm thinking about today oftentimes comes to pass in my tomorrow, which is, you know, which is really incredibly good news when we're thinking about good things, hopeful things, positive things. But it is bad news when our mind is consumed with negative thoughts and, and negative things that we're thinking. And in the scripture, we've been looking at both science, which is incredibly important, and Scripture. We're looking at the divergence of the two, where the two come together. And we've been looking at certain scientific topics, and uh, such as um, having neural pathways in our brain that our, our mind, our thoughts are made up of. We've been looking at cognitive bias or a mental filter. And we've also been looking at the mental framework for our lives and for our days and for our future. And today, I, I want to look at something that is called the amygdala. It is this small peanut-shaped portion of our brain, and the amygdala is wired for survival. Its purpose is to protect you. Maybe, have you ever uh, found yourself in a place, maybe a feeling like you're in danger or something that's about to happen, and you just feel this rush of adrenaline, and it causes you either to fight or to flight, like to run away? Well, that's because the amygdala is sending these signs of survival that you are in danger. It's like, get out of here. Be aware. 
be careful. For instance, you know, you might be driving in your car. Have you ever found this in the dual carriageway or on the motorway and you're driving in your car and the driver beside you is not paying attention, slowly crosses the line, swerving towards you. And the amygdala, what it does, it sends strong doses of adrenaline from <laughs> into your brain. And all of a sudden you're like, be aware, be alert. There's, there's danger coming beside you. You know, you might be in your bed late at night in the middle of the night Maybe the alarm goes off or you hear a noise downstairs. If you're like me, you've got the bat under the bed. You jump up out of the bed. You grab the bat and you're like, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Be careful, the amygdala shouts. There is someone in your house and they're going to kill you. And it's this like, this survival mode in your brain. Or other times, you know, you may have found this, that maybe you're confronted by someone or you're in a heated debate or argument about something that you're passionate about or means something to you. I'm sure many of us have had those conversations in the last two years. And it's like the amygdala, the adrenaline, sometimes you're even struggling in the conversation because the adrenaline is running through your veins and the amygdala kicks in and it causes you to fight, to flight, or to freeze. And so what is amazing is that God in his perfect creation, he gave us this small peanut-shaped portion of our brain to protect us. But the problem is with the amygdala that, that, it's, that it's not objective. That means that it's, it's oftentimes determined by feelings rather than facts. It, it means at times that it's actually, it doesn't always take reality into into thought. In fact, it, it just feels like, it feels like danger. Therefore, it kicks in. It's hardwired to protect us, and it's very easily triggered. I, I'll give you an example. I once, only a few years ago, I had a fight with a loose metal bar of an attic stairs, I'm afraid to say that the metal bar won, right? It whacked me on the top of the head with full force right across the head. It pierced an artery and it knocked me out cold. I was just lying there. Blood was spraying everywhere. And I, I was rushed in the hospital to, I rushed in the ambulance to hospital. And uh, thankfully, by God's grace, there was no brain damage. The doctor said, we struggled to find a brain, but thankfully, eventually they did. And I, I, at that time, I had two months of concussion, just feeling like confused and foggy and daisy. But I remember the next few weeks after that, as I found myself struggling to walk up the stairs, every time I walked under that attic, my amygdala kicked in and it caused panic to rise within me. It caused a sense of anxiety. It caused this adrenaline within me. And it caused me to be debilitated. It caused me just to, be, to freeze in my place. And this is why the amygdala, it needs help from another part of our brain in which God gave us and created us called the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex at the front of our brain it is the logical part of the brain. It tends to think logically. So in other words in the middle of the night, and we hear a noise, the adrenaline kicks in, the amygdala screams out, you're going to die! <laughs> the logical part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, takes over and says, no. You know what? It's something obvious here. Maybe it's the cat. Maybe it's the wind has knocked something over. Maybe it's your child that's gone downstairs. It's okay. You're not going to die. For me, 
when it came to walking under this attic and all those times feeling that sense of anxiety within me, I had to go to trauma counseling to, to learn how to regulate my heart, how to regulate my adrenaline, to actually process what I'd gone through and start to think of it in a logical way where now I, I can go up and down the stairs and up and down the attic without any sense of panic or anxiety because I can now think about it logically. And we, we learned this, that the amygdala, which is incredibly important, but is all panic. The prefrontal cortex is all logic. The problem with the amygdala is just like we talked about the neural pathways, our experiences, our thoughts, they're, they're, the thought that we think is easier to think again, the amygdala, it absorbs all of our experiences. It absorbs everything, the patterns of our lives. And what happens is it becomes pre-programmed. That means that all of our experiences, our belief systems, our fear, our worry, anxiety, it remembers everything. And therefore, when we have a certain experience that we, we enter into, it's like the amygdala is immediately uh, kicked in and we feel that sense of panic and anxiety. For me, like I say, if you had maybe the experience like me and you were in a trauma or you had that attic stairs whack you on the head, you will live your life believing attic stairs are the created by the devil. All right? They are out to kill us. They are out to attack us. And you come to this place where you realize, okay, that is not logical. That is not true. That is not a right way of thinking. You process that. And hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that we need to do this all on our own. We do one or two things that's going to make us better. Oftentimes we need a trained and professional counselor to walk us through maybe the many years of traumatic experiences. Maybe the many years where our amygdala is kicked in time and time again. And the anxiety, the panic is racing through our brains but where we come to a place where we process we understand we surrender to God and now by God's grace I can say to myself as I walk under that attic I'm so glad that I'm alive I'm so glad that I did not have any long-term effects to what had happened to me next time I'm going to be a little more careful we begin to think about it logically and I want to ask you today what experience in your life causes the amygdala to flare up within you? What experience that causes the adrenaline, the panic, the cortisol, the worry, the concern to run through your veins? Think about that right now. Think about the moment this week and where you felt that anxiety rise up within you. And try to ask the question, what's behind that? What is the cause of that? When I, when I go beneath the surface, what is causing me to feel anxious. Maybe it's been a past hurt. It's been caused by someone else. Maybe it's a fear originating from an experience or from a trauma. Maybe it's certain people or certain people who remind you of other people. Maybe it's a certain place where you walk in and it feels like an old moment. Maybe it's an event that happens or maybe it's a type of news that you hear that triggers something within you. It's like you're right back in the moment and you feel that sense of panic. Without even knowing it, what happens is your mind can begin to run and race, can run out of control. You sense maybe the shortness of breath. You sense maybe that the vibrations within your muscles coming to a place and you're like, I, do, I need to get out of here. I don't know what's going on. And you try to control things that are outside of your control. 
you, you try to be able to get a gasp of breath into your lungs because you feel like you can't breathe. And what we see is that Paul, as he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, don't be anxious about anything. This means that it could be an upcoming exam that you're about to take. It may be a job interview you're about to take. It may be a health situation that you face. It may be a, a lack of finances or a next step in your future, whatever it is. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every single situation. What does this mean? It means every situation. It means this, if it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. God cares for you more than you could ever imagine. As small as it may be to you, but in making a massive difference in your mind and in your life, it matters to God. He says, in every single situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, what do you do? Present your requests to God. This means that we give our burdens to God. We surrender them to Him. What happens? Well, Scripture tells us the peace of God which transcends all of our understanding will guard your hearts, will protect your hearts, and will protect your minds in Christ Jesus. This means that you will believe, that you will know, that you will trust, that the peace of God will protect me. The peace of God will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Well, how do we receive this peace? Well, Paul says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. We must understand today, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Do not be the last thing on your list. Do not be, well, when all hope is lost, all I can do is pray. No, prayer is powerful, especially when we realize the one in which we are praying to. We're praying to the God of all ages, the God, the creator of the world, the God who can move mountains, the God who can raise the dead, the God who can open blind eyes and bring the, the lost home to be found. Prayer is always powerful. And here's a truth that I want to convey to you to, today is this. Not only does prayer move the heart of God, but prayer also changes the chemistry in your brain. Not only does prayer move the heart of God, but prayer changes the chemistry in your brain. You see, for decades, neurologists believed that your brain didn't change after adolescence. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, like, growing up as a teenager and that's it? As a 16-year-old boy, that's you for the rest of your life? I'm like, I'm thank God that that's not how our brain works. And, you know... They believe that for decades and decades, like our, almost our brain freezes and does no longer grow. But now, neurologists believe that the brain continues to evolve. It continues to change. It's malleable. It continues to, to rewire itself. It can actually heal itself. It's a healing form that we, we know that we, it happens. And in fact, the term for this is called neuroplasticity neuroplasticity. This means that the brain is constantly evolving and rewiring itself. And there's, a, there's an incredible new movement that's happening in the world between science and scripture, where science and scripture are coming together, and it's, it's really discovering that everything that scripture tells us to do for the benefit of our brains and our minds and our lives is actually true. And, and they're now discovering, after doing so many scientific research, discovering that topics like prayer, they're discovering that they can impact our life. And in this new movement is called neural theology. It is the study of the mind and of God. It, it's also known as spiritual neuroscience. 
One with uh, neurotheology, it studies the relationship between the brain and our belief in God, between the brain and what God calls us to do. And here's one fascinating discovery. His research has discovered that prayer has the power to change your brain. Prayer has the power to change your brain. One of the most famous neuroscientists who who are in this movement of neurotheology, her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. Incredible woman and teacher. She's got a great podcast. encourage you to listen to. And really, it's learning how science and scripture are coming together. It's learning how we can grow as individuals, as Christians, as she is a Christian. How we can learn from science and scripture and learn to grow in our minds and in our thinking. And she wrote a great book called Switch on Your Brain. I I read it. It's a great book. It's all about this thoughts of that your brain can evolve and change and rewire itself. And she looked at this subject in which we're talking about prayer and the impact that prayer can have on our brain. And she made this powerful quote that I want to read to you. It says this, it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Can you believe that? They're discovering that prayer not only has the power to touch the heart of God, but prayer has the power to change the chemistry of our brain. That God, when he, when he spoke this world into existence, when he spoke our lives into existence, that he spoke the life-giving words that are found in Scripture. And when he says that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind, when he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, when he says, don't be anxious, do not be afraid, do not be worried, but pray, he's not saying this just to distract us from our problems. Problems. He's saying it because he wants to change our thinking. He wants to change our minds and our brains. And now science is finally catching up with scripture. Now we are discovering, yes, what God says is true. The prayer has the power to change our minds. And here's the thought that I think and we think together is why then do we worry? Why then do we continue to allow anxiety to run rampant in our minds that oftentimes control our lives. Why then, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, believers of truth, who trust in God, why do we still worry? Well, science would tell us that in many cases, it's called this, the scientific um, um, explanation for this is that we are experiencing an amygdala hijack where our amygdala is taking over our prefrontal cortex, where our amygdala is leading our brain. This little amygdala who is wired to protect, that when it, it, it tells us you're in trouble, you're in danger, it also tells us you better take control. You better start worrying. You better start staying up in the middle of the night and thinking about this, because if you don't, it's going to get worse. So that's the scientific standpoint and explanation. Science tells us that we have an amygdala hijacked, but Scripture tells us that our mind is dominated by sinful thinking. Now, I want you to go on a journey with me for a moment. A simple definition of worry can be this. Worry is choosing not to trust in the promises and the power of God. Worry is essentially saying, God, I don't trust you. 
I don't trust you to handle this situation. I, I don't trust that the goodness of your character can help to lead me through this. I, I don't trust that you care about me as much as I care about myself. God, I don't trust that you can come through for me, but I'm going to worry and ultimately I'm not going to trust you. You may be like, Sean, that is not my intention. That is not my heart. And I understand because it's not my heart. When I worry, I'm not thinking about not trusting God. I'm thinking about the problem that's at hand. So what can we do? How can we come to a place where we can truly trust? Well, instead of letting our sinful nature control our mind, which is what can so easily happen, we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, instead what we want to do is choose to let my spirit and the Holy Spirit that's living and active and dwelling within me to determine my thinking. To let the Holy Spirit to direct my thoughts. And let, instead of letting my sinful nature control my mind, I want to allow and choose to let the Holy Spirit to direct and determine my thoughts and my thinking. What, what does this mean? It means that I'm going to allow my logical part of my brain, my prefrontal cortex, to believe and understand and to trust in what Scripture says. To speak to my prefrontal cortex and choose to fix my mind, my thoughts, as Paul says in Philippians 4.8, to fix my mind on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. I'm going to think about things that are excellent and worthy of His praise. The Apostle Paul also wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, he says, those who are dominated by this sinful nature, what happens? You think about sinful things. That means that our minds are dominated by things that are not of God. That means that our minds are dominated by not trusting in Him. It says this, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And that's why it's so important, as 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought, and we make it obedient to Christ. So from a scientific standpoint, science would tell us to take control of our amygdala and to tell our prefrontal cortex to think logically about such things. From a scriptural standpoint, what we're doing is we're taking our thoughts captive and we're declaring, instead of choosing to allow these irrational thoughts to determine my life, to control my mind, to consume my life, and choosing to give them to God and to trust in Him. It's coming to a place where we, when we hear those irrational fears, we think those worrying thoughts, when we sense that anxiety and danger and out of control, we stop, we grab and take captive of those thoughts, we take them to the Lord and we make them obedient to Christ. We say, now I'm giving them to God. I'm trusting in God. I'm not going to allow my sinful, fearful, and dishonoring nature to rule my life, but instead I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit and allow Him to direct my thoughts and my thinking. I want to encourage you today. We all worry. We all worry. Every one of us, you are not alone. 
You are not on your own in this. We all worry. We all worry about our children, our marriage, our finances, our future. I, I worry about my wife, Jillian. I worry, is she okay? Has she got everything she needs? As a mom of four boys, is she going to want to run away? Or is she okay? I worry about my boys. I'm like, just to keep them alive at times is a difficult challenge. I'm like, am I being the father that they need? Or am I somehow messing this all up and they're going to grow up to be criminals? Like, like, I'm like, am I doing a good job? I worry about our church. I worry, as me as a leader in this difficult time, am I going to say something that is controversial and that people don't like? Am I going to not say enough and people don't like that? Am I going to say something, do something? We all worry. We all worry. And I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that worry is a sin and if you worry, you sin. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that once we allow worry to dominate our lives, when we know Jesus, when we believe in Jesus, when we have the Word of God equipped in us and with us, and we're still not living according to the word then, not thinking, believing, and trusting according to what God has said, then we need to look at our life and ask the question, why am I still worried? So, so what can we do? What can we do practically? What can we do in this place and that we are in? Well, 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This means that taking all of your worry and concern, and you may need to write them out and write out your thoughts, it means taking all of that and casting your cares on God. It means taking all of that and casting all of your anxiety on God. Why? Because you know and you believe that He cares for you. You can trust Him what you worry about. Now, in fact, I would say we need to take a step further in this and say, God, I'm not just trusting you with my worries. I'm trusting you with my life. I give you everything. I surrender it all to you. Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe you need to pray that prayer again today. Maybe you need to come to a place where you say, my whole life belongs in your hands. You know, one thing that I always remind myself when I'm in this place of worry, of doubt, of fear, of anxiety, and it's this, almost this statement in this phrase that I remind myself is, I'm going to do all that I can do and I'm going to trust that God will do what only He can do. Come to a place of pause and reflection, allowing the peace to rest inside of me and say, I'm going to do what I can do. But I'm going to trust that God will do what only He can do. I want to give you three very simple beliefs, steps, three small decisions that we can make to help change your thinking. And here's the first one. It's to believe and choose that I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what I can do. If you're coming for an exam and you, you, you're getting ready for that exam, we're not saying that I'm going to just trust God for my exam. No, I'm going to study. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to understand these principles and understand everything that I have to. And I'm going to trust God in the outcome. Instead of, of, of choosing, you know, I'm going to trust God for my health and for my fitness and for my well-being. No, I'm also going to eat the right things. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to find the advice to help me. I'm going to trust him in the outcome. It, it may mean for you that you need to seek wise counsel. You need to read more of the word of God. You need, to, you need to pray and seek time with him and listen to him. And you may to be in community with others. I'm going to do what I can do. And here's the second thing. Choose, I'm going to give God 
what I can't do. I'm going to give God what I can't do. When I can't do something, when I, I can't be in control or predict or determine what's going to happen, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe in Him. I'm going to first do what I can do. Secondly, I'm going to trust and believe and give to God what I can't do. And finally, I'm going to trust God no matter what. No matter what, I'm going to give, do what I can do. I'm going to trust God no matter what and give Him all that what only He can do. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to believe right now in that his goodness, that his promises, that his faithfulness will be able to care for me and be able to carry me through this life that I am and help carry my burdens and my weight. I'm going to trust him with what only he can do. Come on, right now. What is it that you need to give to God? What prayers, concerns, worries, anxiety, fear, do you need to give to him? You need to surrender to him right now, even in this moment. Why don't you just close your eyes with me or take this moment to pause a reflection in your heart as you ask the question, God, I want to give you this. I want to give you them. I, I'm, I'm giving you this. I'm casting my cares and anxieties on you because I know that you care for me. I, I'm going to trust you with this because I know that I can trust you. I'm going to believe that what you said in your word is true. I'm going to take hold of my amygdala. I'm going to take hold of my thoughts. I'm not going to become captive to them, but I'm going to take them captive and make them obedient to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for every single person who hears my voice right now. I pray, Lord, for, to calm anxious minds, to cease the worrying, to bring calm where there feels like out of control to bring peace where there feels like there is no hope. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will rest upon us, that we'll be filled with your Holy Spirit, that your Spirit will direct our thoughts and minds and not our sinful nature. And maybe today you need to make that declaration, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you because Jesus, he loves you. He gave his life for you. He sacrificed himself upon the cross so that you may live, so that you may be in relationship with him, so that you may have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. And he says that when you confess your sins with your mouth by saying, Jesus, I, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. I need you. And you declare and believe that Jesus is Lord and he's been raised from the dead. Scripture says that you will be saved. Saved from now until forevermore. I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me, to believe in your heart, to declare over your life, to say this, say, Jesus, I give you my life, all of my life. I invite your Holy Spirit in. I commit to do what I can do and to trust you with what I can't do. What I give you my life, all of my life, all of my worries, my concerns, and my anxiety. I place them in your hands. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, maybe that's a prayer that you prayed for the first time. Or you need to pray that over and over and over again. We want to help you and connect with you. We as a church, our vision is to see people experience life change. Through Jesus Christ. To see the minds change. Hearts change. Marriages change. Families change. To see your life change and transformed by the renewing of your mind. We love to help you and connect with you. And I'd love right now just to take the opportunity to go to our website. Openarms.ie forward slash get connected. And we'd love you to get connected. We'd love you to fill out a very simple form. Some of your details. And 
tick the box that I'm committing my life to Jesus or I'm new or I'm recommitting my life and we'd love to send you an email just to it as a sign of communication and contact invite you to what we call next steps it's the next step in your journey the next step in, in open arms in the community of open arms and we'd love to help you and invite you to do that with us so I want to pray for you as we finish today as you enter into your week and get ready to end your year Lord I pray that you may bless us and keep us, that may you keep your heart shine upon us to give us your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Pray that you have a great week. Enjoy. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless.